Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com/play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. It is SNY.TV's The Juice on the Cuse podcast, covering Syracuse basketball, lacrosse, and football. Today on The Juice on the Cuse podcast on SNY.TV, we'll be talking about Syracuse's big win over number 13 NC State and a matchup with number 4 Clemson on Saturday. I'm Wes Chang, and I'll be joined later by Jim Stick Schulte, and our guest today is former Syracuse defensive back in WROC-TV's Carl Jones. Carl, thanks for coming back on the program. How are you today? Man, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. It's a good day. Uh, Any day that you see your orange in the top 15 in the country, it's always going to be a good feeling. So, once again, thank you for having me on, and I can't wait to get this going. Carl, that's a perfect segue into my first question. We'll get you started on this one. You played at Syracuse from 2016 to 2019. You've experienced the highs of winning 10 games and being ranked in 2018 to the lows of some of the disappointing other losing seasons. Syracuse improved to 6-0 over the weekend with the win over number 13 NC State. How does it feel as a distinguished alum of the program to see them at 6-0 and and number 14 in the country? I mean, it's beyond proud. Like, I feel like, uh, you know, like the parent who, you know, um, sees the, you know, the kids or whatever. And obviously, I'm cool with all those guys on the team. And they're like my brothers, not my, my children or anything like that. But it's just, it's just a great feeling, like, knowing the, some of the foundation that we laid uh, – when I was there and seeing it come to fruition, I was, it's just awesome to see, especially with the guys who I'm still cool with and, and knowing how hard they work and seeing the, the fruits of their labor come true and all the recognition that they deserve. Because obviously I was on the team in 2018 and you see how campus treats you a little differently, how the media treats you a little differently, how you can just hold your head high a little differently on campus when you're achieving that success. And knowing Michael Jones really close, Caleb, Garrett Williams, the list goes on and on. Um, and seeing those guys, I, I remember when they were young pups and they came into the program and how hard they worked and just seeing all the love that they're getting and I hope they get even more. It's just cool to see from the outsider's perspective. Carl, this is a team that went 5-7 and seven last year and lost several close games by a single score. They could have made a bowl game last year, but what is the biggest difference you've seen between the 5-7 and seven team last year and the 6-0 and o team this year on the field? Oh, I think it's a passing game. Uh, I mean, shout out to Garrett Schrader and the new offensive coordinator and the receiving court for getting on the same page because now we're not as Sean Tucker reliant. Like, obviously, Sean Tucker is, was one of one and one of the best, not just backs in the country, but best backs to ever put on that orange and blue uh, for Syracuse. But, you know, it gets a little easy to game plan when you just know that 34 is getting the ball every play. And Garrett Schrader got in the lab this offseason and found a great weapon these past four games. Shout out to um, OG Aronde Gats in the second. He's been stepping up big time these past four games. And him and 
Schrader seemed to have a little connection. And, I mean, I believe he's like 6'5". I mean, that's a huge nightmare. I've seen him line up out wide in the slot. Uh, he's just a matchup nightmare for opposing defenses. So, um, I know going into the season, a lot of teams were like, how do we focus on stopping Sean Tucker? Well, now you've got someone else who's another freak just like Tucker who, who can um, hurt you in a lot of different ways in the receiving room. So, um, clearly, I think it's no doubt about it, um, the, the receiving court and um, the passing game has helped out a ton this year. And it's a big reason why we're sick enough. Carl, I know that Garrett Williams got hurt against NC State, but I think he's been the best cornerback in the ACC this year, pound for pound. I don't think there's any doubt that he's going to be playing on Sundays in the very near future. What are you seeing in his game film that's allowed him to be so dominant? Well, first, I love your keen analyst eye calling Garrett the best uh, ACC corner uh, that we have to offer. <laughs> you're right. You're 100% right. So uh might need to hire you as an analyst one day. But, uh, no, honestly... <laughs> So as the, when he was 17, 18 years old, stepping on campus, he was always like a cerebral like player, always asked a bunch of questions because um, I was a senior when he was a freshman. Never afraid to ask questions. You know, it, it, like the coaching wouldn't take much for him to understand. If you ask him to do something, he'll do it. Um, and then maybe because he was just younger and, you know, he wasn't as physically developed into his body yet or just, you know, you're a freshman. You don't want to make some of the plays or mistakes that you make when you're older. And now seeing that same cerebral player – that was that stepped on the campus at 18 combine that with the physical gifts that he's done through the weight room and this God-given ability you're getting that monster at corner that that Syracuse knew that they could get when they recruited him I mean some of the plays that he's made um I actually tweeted a few of them where that only is from a player who knows what's coming or has supreme confidence in his own abilities and that's what he possesses out there um I mean some of the he, he's helping out in the run game tackling I mean who expects corners to come up and, and make some of the plays that he's making in the run game. He's doing that. Obviously, he has two awesome interceptions that, once again, are Sunday-type plays. Um, he's just an awesome player. And, obviously, Deuce Chestnut is a, is, a, is a dominant corner in his own right on the other side. But Garrett deserves all the recognition that he's getting and more. So, to, to make it full circle and to answer your question, the reason why he is the best corner in the ACC, he's probably the smartest corner in the ACC ACC, and then he's also combined that with some supreme gifts that you just can't teach. And Carl, we'll get you out of here on this one. As we know, Syracuse is off to a 6-0 start, best start since 1987, the highest-ranked team that Syracuse has had since 2001. The second half of the schedule is significantly harder than the first half. That starts with the trip to Death Valley to face number 4 Clemson this Saturday. How can Syracuse win that game, and how many games do you see them winning by season's end? How do we win this game? It's going to be tough. I mean, I remember my 2018 year when we went down to Death Valley. I believe we were winning like 58 out of the 60 minutes. And then uh, we knocked Trevor Lawrence out of the game. We're like, oh, we're feeling all good. We're at halftime. Like, yo, we're about to go in here. We're on national ABC. I think it was an ABC game just like this one this week. Um, And we're like, okay, like, we got him. We got him. And then, lo and behold, Chase Bryce, who I believe is a quarterback at, um, not I believe, Appalachian State now. And, you know, and then Travis Etienne, we just couldn't stop them. Um, so, one, you just got to be able to ignore the crowd noise, you know, because it is intimidating. I mean, whatever you think it is on TV is even worse in person. Uh, <laughs> you you got to be able just to, you know, be, be at one with your teammates and not let that overwhelm you. But in terms of the, the schematics, um, Clemson defense is no joke. I mean, they got NFL dudes all over the field. Like, no doubt about it, the D-line is impressive. They got a couple backers who are going to play on Sundays as well. Uh, we just got to be sound, turnover-free football, because, once again, you 
make one, two mistakes down there in Death Valley in terms of turnovers, oof, that crowd's going to overwhelm you and good luck trying to um, shut up 90,000 people once they start going. So turnover, mistake-free football, and just make sure that we take advantage of the field position opportunities that are gifted, whether it's special teams or takeaways of our own. And in terms of a season projection, I mean, obviously I want to see us run the table and go 12-0. and That'd be really cool. Um, and, and the the realist in me, I can easily, like, no doubt about it, see another 10-2, and maybe even 11-1 season. Um, this is going to be a tough one this week for sure. Um, Death Valley is no joke, especially when Clemson top five. And they, they're playing a lot better of late than they were in the beginning of the year. Um, it helps that Notre Dame isn't the fighting Irish that they've been of the past. You still got to take on Florida State and Wake. Going to Wake is never easy as well. Um, maybe drop one of those games just because it's, you know, ACC playing is not no slouch. But um, I can see a 10 2 11 1 season. And, you know, another one of those years where um, Syracuse is back on the map and, you know, getting that national love that we all deserve. Carl, thank you so much for coming back on the program. Again, former Syracuse defensive back Carl Jones. Make sure to check out Carl on WROC-TV Channel 8 and also the Courting the Field podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and wherever else you get the good podcasts. Carl, we appreciate your time. Enjoy the rest of the Syracuse football season. We'll speak with you soon. Thank you. I appreciate it, and go Orange. Love catching up with Carl Jones, and I'm now joined over the phone by the Juice Online senior columnist and my very good friend, Jim Stick-Schulte. Jim, how are you today? I'm doing pretty well, Wes. How are you? Yeah, Jim, doing well as always. And let's talk a little Syracuse football. They improved to 6-0 and with a 24-9 win over NC State on Saturday. That bumped them up to number 14 in both the AP and coaches polls. I know you're not a big fan of these midseason polls, but do you think Syracuse is actually as good as its rank? Well, as Syracuse keeps going through their schedule and building their resume, it's getting kind of hard to say they're not as good as their rank. I mean, and I was doing a little looking into things. You know, you also know how I like to look at the numbers, which is why I wasn't particularly high on the orange. But they're really starting to show me. And you know, it's just that they're not the same as most other teams that are you know, piling up points and winning some shootouts. The orange is no longer the new fast, as I found out. Um, basically, this is a really good defensive team, and I just don't think we really acknowledge that because – we look at some of the gaudy numbers that Garrett Schrader is putting up and the Heisman campaign for Sean Tucker and Aranda Gaston the second becoming a star at, well, tight end, but, you know, we all know he's actually a wide receiver. Um, but the thing that the defense is doing is they're playing very effectively, and this was something that was, you know, kind of a question coming into the season, particularly as it pertained to the defensive line. It's a young, inexperienced group. <clears throat> They've had a couple guys get hurt for the already, you know, season-ending injury to – Terry Lockett and, you know, a couple other guys have also gone down, but the kids are all right, I guess. Um, but the one thing that's really helping them is this team plays slow. Um, it's a, it's, it's kind of like a classic Bayheim two, three zone team that plays at a slow tempo. Um, like the, you know, overall yards and points allowed look great. I mean, this team is sixth in points allowed in the nation, but what's really impressive is they're eighth in opponent plays per game. So there's only, you know, so, uh, they give the opponents, the average opponent runs less than 60 offensive plays against the orange. So, you know, that would normally, you know, makes a simple connection to driving down points allowed and yards allowed just because the opponents don't get as many snaps with the ball. But the most impressive thing, uh, they're ninth in yards per play allowed. So this defense, uh, you know, while playing at this slow place, 
they're still very effective on an individual play-by-play basis. They're basically just kind of squeezing their life out of the opponents, and that's how Syracuse ends up winning games, you know, 24-9. to And we see tweets about the football team noting how they haven't given up a touchdown in, in a month. So, I'm, I mean, I've, you know and mentioned that I haven't really been a believer, but I don't think I have much choice, but I have to. I mean, there's also in simple rating system, which is another mathematical formula to figure out to rank teams. Syracuse is eighth in the country. Clemson is sixth, and the team that's right behind uh, Syracuse is Michigan. So it's not just, you know, the 6-0. and It's like the stuff is there to back it up. Wow, Jim, a little optimism from you. Color me surprised. <laughs> <laughs> and, Jim, you wrote about this at the beginning of October, that while the first half of the schedule allowed Syracuse to jump out to a 6-0 and record, the back half of the schedule is really rough. I asked Carl Jones this question. I'll ask you as well. What do you see Syracuse's final win total as this season? Well, as we all know, 6-0 right now, as you said, BC is sitting at there at the end of the schedule, and I think pretty much everyone is, you know, feels that that one will end up in the wood, win column as well. But obviously, that middle, the middle, the next five games, uh, this, uh, you know, the tough six-game stretch, Clemson on the road, Notre Dame at home, at Pitt, Florida State, and then at Wake Forest. I mean, as as far as that simple rating system goes that I just mentioned uh, before. Syracuse is ahead of everyone except Clemson. Uh, like I said, Clemson 6th, Syracuse 8th, and Wake is 17th as the next closest team, and Florida State is 25th. So it seems like um, it's going to, you know, there's some chances to actually keep piling up wins. Uh, you know, Notre Dame, they looked like they were riding their ship. They'd won three games in a row, including beating BYU, who was in the top 25 at the time. Well, they face-planted this past week, and so maybe they haven't quite figured out everything. So beating Notre Dame looks a little more likely you know, now than it did on last Friday. Um, you know, Clemson's going to be tough, and Wake, they're uh, you know, still ranked above Syracuse in the polls. They've been ranked all season thus far. I just I think that's going to be a tough game as well. You know, like I just said, Notre Dame's been up and down. Pitt, they're very concerning just because their rushing attack is all of a sudden they've kind of figured things out, and that's become a really dominant facet of their team. Um, you know, and, I, and with Syracuse running – you know, a three-three-five defense predicated on more on speed than on size. I get worried that they can get kind of ground up by a strong running game. Uh, Florida State, though, they've lost three straight games to ranked teams, and when they come to Syracuse to play the Orange, they'll be coming off their rivalry game against Miami the week before. So they may be a little depleted coming into that game. I mean, you know, it's I would say, like I said, I think Clemson and Wake are going to be the toughest games. BC looks good, and but I think honestly, with the way things are trending for both Notre Dame and Florida State. Those could very likely end up in the win column, and there's still a pretty good chance of Pitt being there too. So even though I've kind of been a naysayer and asking them to prove it to me, I think they are, and I think they keep will, will keep doing so. I'm going to say it's probably going to be a 50-50 whether they're going to end up 9-3 and three or 10-2. and two. Jim, again, the unbridled optimism from you is a real surprise here. <laughs> and Jim, we're right at the end of our show. Your closing thoughts. Well, as as we all know, uh, Syracuse basketball is around the corner, too. Um, the one thing I'm looking for most this season is watching Joe Girard play a much more natural position of the shooting guard. Uh, I've written about it before last year, you know, when Jesse Edwards got hurt and suggesting that the off that the team should go to, you know, should have played Samir Torrance at point and go three guards and try to load up on shooting. But I'm just excited for Girard because I think he's going to show us what he really can or probably what has really actually been capable of doing all this time on campus. 
when he, you know, it's a small sample size, but when he played the two guard last year with a point guard next to him, you know, Samir Torrance, then, you know, it's quite possibly going to be Judah Mintz this year. But in any case, he shot 46.5% from the field and 42.1% from three. And so that's much higher than his overall stats from last year. And then in a situation where he, where he was playing the two with Torrance and Buddy Beheim at the three last year, he shot just over 55% overall and 50% from three. So I also expect that this may help get Justin Taylor or Chris Bunch onto the floor as a second perimeter shooter to be respected to kind of help keep things opening up for Joe. I think Gerard's going to have a big senior year, and I, I'd put him down for 18 points a game, and I'm thinking of possibly nudging it even higher. Jim, my closing thoughts are on the men's soccer team, which defeated number 11 Louisville 2-1 to on Friday. The fifth-ranked Orange defeated the Cardinals for the first time since 2008 and are still atop the ACC standings with an 11-2-1 record, which is their best record through 14 matches since 2014. The win was also the fifth time this season Syracuse has topped a ranked opponent, which is the most in a single season under head coach Ian McIntyre. Just a huge win for the Orange in what's been a great season to date. That's it for us for Jim Sixschulte. This is Wes Chang reminding you that there's one thing I hate more than lying, that's skim milk, which is just water that's lying about being milk. You've been listening to the Juice on the Cues podcast on SNY.TV, and we'll see you next time. This has been the Juice on the Cues podcast, part of the SNY.TV audio network. Why? Why? If you have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion.